When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. Here's your host, Kyle Corwin. What up, what up? Welcome back to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. This is episode 10. I'm your host, Kyle Corwin. I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate, say hello to the people. Hello, my people. All right. Before we get started today for this episode, I got a little bone to pick with EA Sports. EA Sports? I know I know. I mentioned to you recently that I brought my old Xbox down after I came okay. back from the hurricane. Yeah. Brought back MVP 05, best baseball game known to man. Sure. Started a dynasty because, you know, I thought that'd be a good idea to start a dynasty. That way I can kind of keep tabs on the show, let people know how my team's doing. Yeah. Can I share with you how my season has started? Um, I'm going to go with 0 and 10. Close. I'm half. I'm halfway there. 0 and 5. Started with the Red Sox, of course. I'll take you through my lineup here, off the top of my head, if I can remember. I've got uh, Babe Ruth, Todd Helton, Gary Matthews Jr. Uh, I think I got Nolan Ryan in there. Catfish Hunter, <laughs> uh, Mike Piazza, I believe, is my catcher. Squad. You would think, right? Okay. Yeah. Here's the bone I have to pick with EA Sports. Tell me why you're going to make Babe Ruth a 99 overall, and he's 0 for the season right now. Hasn't gotten a single hit. My best hitter See? on the team has not you're on, gotten you're a on hit. The, you're on the simulation life? You're on the sim? You don't even play? Oh no, I'm playing. I'm I'm 0 and 5 playing so, the computer. So we're we're assuming that you're not just bad at video games. No, I take great pride in my ability to compete in MVP 05 and NCAA baseball 2006. <laughs> so and if yeah, I'm being, I mean maybe it's just you're like maybe you're subconsciously sucking with Babe Ruth because you're a Red Sox fan. Okay, well, here's the problem. Full disclosure, I started a dynasty on the MVP level, which is the hardest level. Okay. Didn't even didn't even sniff a hit in the first, like, three games. I'm pretty sure I got no hit three times. Yeah, uh, you had to drop that bad boy down, didn't you? I did. And you want to know who you want to know who no hit me to start the season off? Pitching for the Yankees, Tim Wakefield. Got, Whoa, got no weird. hit. Got no hit by Tim Wakefield in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, it was a perfect game. Oh, even better. And then game four of that season, Lou Gehrig, which was on my team, sprained his wrist and he was out for like a month. Ooh. And so then I had to restart the season. Drafted, <laughs> drafted a whole new team, dropped the level down. Oh, that's and my, so I did my luck. My luck has not transitioned. 
my best hitter or one of my best hitters, Todd Helton, who's like a 95 in that game because he was a stud back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Torres meniscus in game two. He's out 50 games. <laughs> I got I got one hit by Jared Weaver for the Yankees in game one. Uh, wow. I had Ina Slaughter as like my right fielder. He was a he was yeah. a stud way back in the day. Hit a two run home run in game three, and then we proceeded to give up four straight runs. See, I give you props because if I like, if I'm playing a video game, and if I'm just getting absolutely dominated. I'm one of those guys that will adjust it before the game's over. You follow it through. I can't do that. Yeah, I feel guilty. No, I don't feel guilty at all. I'm saving my pride. Well, I have about no pride left because I'm averaging over a run a game right now through five games. So not really getting it done there. But anyway, enough of that. Let's move on to baseball history. September 26th is when you're most likely hearing this. 1961, at Yankee Stadium, Roger Maris ties Babe Ruth with his 60th home run of the year. There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is. Number 60. Maris's home run comes in the 159th game of the newly expanded season, which at the time keeps Ruth the single-season home run leader, according to an edict made by then-Commissioner Ford Frick, who ruled that for the mark to be shared or broken, the home run had to happen within the first 154 games of the season. 1981, Nolan Ryan becomes the first pitcher to throw five no-hitters when the Astros defeated the Dodgers at the Astrodome 5-0. This may be it! Ryan will go on to finish his 27-year major league career with a set with a record seven no-hitters. Absurd. Just wild. And lastly, this is probably my favorite of the three because I was actually there. Well, I wasn't there, but I was watching it. Uh, Mariano Rivera removed from his final game at Yankee Stadium by Derek Jeter and Andy Pettit. How's this for drama? Just perfection. Wow. Tears and cheers. That gentleman didn't think he was going to get emotional when he saw Andy Pettit and Derek Jeter come to get him. Everything came to the surface, Kenny. Yeah, it did. He's saved more games for Pettit than any other any other pitcher. I know this. He's going to be one tough act to follow. Just a. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch the video. I'm sure you were watching it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't watch that or listen to the audio without getting getting a little emotional. Even as a Sox guy, you got You got to respect Mariano. Yeah. Like here. So this is one of the things that bugs me like big time is that for any sport, actually, like when you see I don't like when when fans or people in general criticize players crying and like they're not crying after they strike out they're not crying after they throw an interception they're not crying after i'm not even gonna bring up soccer because let's (laughs) be honest um but like when you see these guys cry you have to remember that 
a lot of these, if not most, played at such an early age, and that's all they worked for right. for so long. Yep. Like the journey, I love hearing the journey about Mariano of, you know, making making a glove out of a milk carton when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and getting a rubber band around it to keep it on his hand. Like stories from that to go down as one of the most memorable baseball players, much, you know, not even mentioning closers or relievers, like one of the most dominant baseball players to ever live. Absolutely. That like tears are absolutely allowed. 1 million percent allowed. And the, the thing that was so crazy about that moment is because obviously I don't think he was aware how that all was going down because it was Girardi's idea to send out those two to take him out. And you could just tell when they got out there, it just, it hit him like a brick wall. He, I think his whole career just flashed before his eyes and he, he just lost it. He, he didn't really know how to respond in front of a packed house. Like I don't, so I, don't cool. I don't blame him. So cool. Where was Posada? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Something important better been going on if your own catcher for like most of your career isn't. Well, because he was the, he was the first to go of the four the core four, right? Posada, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think he was, Posada, was he was um, busy with something. And then yeah, Posada, Andy, Jeter, or uh, yeah, and Mo. Um, like, well, well, like he, was be, he there? That's the core four. Because I mean, he's obviously not gonna be able to go out onto the field because at that point he had been retired, right? But I mean, I don't even remember. I don't think he was there because I thought I remember them. Talking I don't think about, he was either. Talking about him being somewhere. Yeah, I don't think he was either. I was just watching, I think, today, either today or yesterday, and again, we're recording this on the 25th, um, was... You speak for yourself. It's 1227 here on the East Coast. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was Jeter's last game. Uh, it was the anniversary of his last game. Okay. And that was one. that was one that always caught me, like... When we talk about tearing up, I mean, this guy is everything I wanted to be my entire childhood. And so, like, it was emotional for me watching, for sure. But the perfect ending for him, you know, walk off single to the right side, like, perfect. Anyway. And kind of piggybacking off that, it irks me so much. Even, Even though it was a Yankee... It irks me when people say that that game, that outcome, that game itself was rigged. Like you, these people, yeah, come on, these people don't understand baseball. You cannot rig a bit. You can sure you can throw a game. Like if you're in a if you're in a position, maybe as like a pitcher to throw a game, sure. Yeah, but you can't create that situation. Yeah, come on. And they're saying, well, it was cheese down the pipe. It doesn't matter. Like, you have to be able to play. You can hit it, but there's a good chance it's ending up in somebody's glove. You have to be able to place that, like, in the exact spot that he did in order for that outcome to happen. I think it was just, it was almost too perfect. And, and haters say it was rigged. Yeah. I'd... But, like, that that guy is a legend for him being able to take any pitch away and hitting it for a single to the right side. That's what just what he did forever, and it just worked. So I don't care. I know the pitch, I think, was 86. Whatever. Change up. 
Like I, I don't understand you why do it's rigged. With it. Just just stop. Yeah. Just stop with the rigged. Come on. Well, keeping it in the AL East, we're gonna move into what we have to talk about with current events around baseball. Uh the Tampa Bay Rays getting knocked out this week officially out of playoff contention. Um I don't really know what to think of it. I mean, I'm pissed for them considering the season that they've had kind of surprised a lot of people, but it really, it really begs the question of what needs to happen with the, the playoff format. Cause like I said, Ray's been knocked out so that that solidifies the American league field. Um, Oakland, obviously the last, last team in, um, but the thing with the Rays is that as of right now, I didn't check the scores from tonight, but when I made these notes, 87 and 69, which is rough, yep. roughly a game off the pace of the Indians, Braves, Dodgers, and Rockies, all yep. of which are either in or looking for a spot. And we'll do you want better? Same amount spot. of wins, same amount of wins as Cardinals too. There you go. Another, another team in the race. So, I mean, they, they're putting together a season that's playoff worthy, but instead they're playing the final week of the season with zero hope of a wild card spot. And they're currently 18 and a half games back in the division. So I don't know. I really think, I I really think the league needs to take, I know this conversation has been going on throughout the league for a number of years. I know obviously with the latest change of them adding the second wild card team for each league, I don't know. I think they just need to. I don't want to say scratch the whole thing, but we need to take a much serious, much more serious look at how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, to not even have a shot like that, it just sucks, you know. Like, and I want to clear. I want to clear something up before we get too deep into this Rays talk. Um, we we don't hate the Rays, guys. We don't hate the Tampa Bay Rays. Correct. We we hate Tropicana. Correct. And we hate how it's not in Tampa. And also correct. We hate the cowbells that the 12 fans at the stadium like to ring during games. That's it. That's all we dislike about the race. That's all Overall, as the organization, it's a major league baseball organization. Um, no I'm not even going to lie. I've gained some respect for the Rays this year. I used to hate the Rays because they had those couple years there when they were playing – I mean, I specifically remember this because they they matched up with Boston a couple times in the postseason. But their their fans just came out of nowhere. Like, where are yeah, you yeah. coming from? And they just yeah. thought they were the the talk of the division. And I'm glad that that's that's kind of fizzled out. But yeah, now they fade away. This season alone, just looking at it objectively, I've gained some respect for them a little bit. I have too. Kevin Cash, I've gained a lot of respect for. Big time. Their manager. Um, is definitely deserving of some manager of the year votes. I don't think he'll win it, but I, I think he'll get some votes because, like, what he did um, for basically creating the opener, what we all know now is the opener, right? Um, and making that a thing. I mean, you're you're you've made a serious impact in the game, and I think. In a, in a very, you know, groundbreaking way. Like, we're talking about, word on the street is that the A's are thinking about 
having an opener for the wild card game and just bullpenning it. Well, I think with the A's, it's that's more so out of necessity. But I think, sure. to, but, but to your but to your point, exactly, now. yeah, because they've seen it play out. They've seen it. They've seen success. I think yeah. that that's uh, that contributes to why they would even consider that a possibility. I think the GM made some smart moves. I think trading Archer was good. Some pieces they got back there. Um, a smart trade by picking up Tommy Pham. I know we talked a few weeks ago not knowing like what he was going to do or what role he was going to play. Um, and I think that was still when they were kind of in that in-between let's give up on the season slash let's go for it. Because um, like if, if you were... I think if you were giving up on the season, smart move trading Archer. But if you were trying to make a run, probably would have held on to him. I don't know. That's just me. But either way, they got some pieces back for him. Fam's been playing great since he came over. So, like, the GM's doing some some pretty decent stuff. Yep. So, what would, um, you know, you mentioned, like, changing the playoff format. Do you have an idea of what you would do if you were Well, before I get to that, I also... To further this argument, this point, this conversation, whatever you want to call it, I think another point that we have to take into account is the fact that both the A's and Yankees are going to finish with nearly 100 wins and will both be facing a do-or-die game. Yeah. So, That's true. I mean, first of all, shout-out to the A's, lowest payroll in baseball, doing big things out there on the Bay. Uh, That's great. And that's all the more reason that I think we need to be rewarding these teams more than more than punishing them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the drama of the the one co- one game wild card, um, but I just think we need to reconfigure the format in in the sense of who gets sent to that game. Because I know. All right, what do you got? I know back. Well, I know back in like 2015, if you if you remember, the Pirates won. What was it? 98, 99 games the second best record in the national league. They lost the division to St. Louis. Um, and then they ended up losing in the wild card game. So you're going home after one game in the, in the playoffs after winning 98 games, which I'm not, I'm not on board with, um, yeah. but kind of what you're alluding to um, suggestions have been made, whether it's keeping it the way it is going back to the pre 2012 format of just one wild card team per league going straight to the the division series. I've heard some talk about uh, proposing some type of NBA playoff format, something similar to that. Uh, Cause as of right now, last I checked, not a big NBA guy, but they have the top eight teams from each conference ranked yeah. in order by wins losses. Um, I think and I'm not a huge logistics guy, so I don't know how it would pan out with the <laughs> details. But big picture, I think the MLB could implement something something similar where you have the top five teams from each league, similar to how they have it now, where you got five teams from each league. The problem with that being you'd eliminate the division titles, but it gives the teams who win the most it gives them a little more breathing room. So I mean, if you're if you're reeling in a hundred wins, you're not on the brink. I mean, you're not fearful that one yeah. game wild card loss and you're out yeah. um and then if, if you did something like that the fourth and fifth teams in each respective league would play in their wild card games 
So yeah. you, you send the top three teams from each league to the next round, not having to worry about a thing, and then you make the fourth and fifth team is based on wins, losses, duke it out. Okay. All right. So again, not a big logistics guy. Don't really don't really know how that pans out with the big picture, but just in in terms of I think what makes sense to people and kind of including fairness into the picture, I think that's that's one of the options that I think would be worth considering. I don't know if you have any different takes on it. I have something similar. So you kind of mentioned the NBA. Um, I'm actually going to say expand the playoffs to 12 teams. We're going to go 12 teams overall record. Just straight up overall record. Ready? And you seed them. Are we are so, we taking leagues out of the picture? We are. You're just saying 12 teams based on... Straight up. Yeah, okay. totally based off the record. So we could have... Um, ALNL facing in the first round Interesting. and not in, in the world series, or we could have two AL teams facing in the world series. You know, that's very interesting. Wouldn't that be cool. Right. So 12 teams overall record. I think the bottom two teams, um, I guess bottom four teams, technically bottom four teams, would play a one-game playoff, similar to what we do with the wild card, right? Okay. And then after that, those teams move on to the next two, um, you know, like like uh, seeds seven and eight. Mm-hmm. They'll play seeds seven and eight in a three-game set. And then everything after that is normal like we're used to. So five, seven, seven? Yep. Hmm. So we'll go one, three, five, seven, seven. All right, so then let's let's zoom out. How many how many wins? Because right now it's eleven. You need eleven wins to win the whole thing from start to finish. How many win? Would that still be? That'd be. That so might be have, a little more, right? It would be more, and we would have to start earlier. Uh, the playoffs would have to start earlier. So I don't know how that would work. I don't know. Like you said, I'm not doing all that kind of math. Yeah, but I think um, yeah, it's just switching it up. I th- I think it would be cool. I think it would be fun to see. Imagine a Yankees Red Sox World Series. That I can't. I'll be honest. With you, I can't even begin to comprehend what that would look like. It, it just <laughs> it doesn't. As a baseball fan, it doesn't make rational sense. Not to say that like any any format idea like isn't good, but it to me like right off the bat, it just doesn't. Oh, I totally, I, I'm totally going outside the box. Here, yeah, that's for I mean, sure. It's like outside the box times 10. I can't even. But, but like, how many times have we said these are the best two teams in baseball? And it kind of sucks that they're both facing so early in the playoffs. And you know what I mean? Like, to me, the top two teams should be playing. And if it's, and if it's not, like, if they don't make it, they don't make it, whatever. But, in a scenario where we see two teams that are, like you said, the the Cardinals and the Pirates, the best two teams in the in the NL, and they're not even going to get to face each other because one of them is going to get, you know, the Pirates get knocked out in the wild card. So it's like, right? If we have to make the regular season, I think 
a, worth a little bit more, but we also have to take in consideration of how long it lasts and how much work you do. I love the one game playoff, but it's just, it's kind of crazy because that's not how our sport is, is scheduled or how we do things. Yeah, really. That's not how we, that's not how anyone manages. Yeah. This isn't football. You know what I'm saying? You don't get a week to prepare. It's, and it's I mean, just I mean so... you and I both know that being baseball guys, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Right. Like you can just have, you can have your worst day and the other team who is far worse than you. They just come out, all the, all the pieces are clicking together and they just have it together that day. And Every, like I, everything we do is based off of a structure that's not like that. Yeah, and I mean, I get the the addition of the one game playoff to to kind of quench the thirst for a little drama, but yeah, in turn, like sh- yeah, sure, that's great for the fans, but in terms of almost rewarding or punishing, more so punishing the teams that lose, it's just that's brutal. One hundred sixty two games. All like that's a year round thing, like putting all the work in the off season, 162 yeah. game season, and it boils down to a game. I, I don't know. I think yeah, and I mean we, yeah, and you can say oh we get game seven where it comes down to one game, but that that is your chance to get back in it, right? Like you get seven games to get back into yeah. it. Yeah, I mean you get. I your, mean you how get many a fair how shake. many times? Yeah, how many times as a kid did you hear you, you get them tomorrow? Right or forget forget about your for four. Let's go take care of business tomorrow. That's literally the foundation of baseball. Yeah, and every series we see is that a guy can go zero for four in a three game series in the first game, and then absolutely kill it in the next two games, and he had overall a good series. But if we see a one game playoff and he has a bad game, which is everyone, anyone could do that. Anyone could have a bad game. It's so hard to show. I mean, Luis Severino last year is a perfect example. The guy was great all year, and then there's all of a sudden it's like he goes one third of an inning for a start. Like pitchers are a little bit different, sure, but anyone could have a bad day. Yeah, but I will say I am guilty of getting oh, I'm in more it. excited I'll, I'll for the one game playoff. Like I'm, I'm tuning. I don't care who's in it. I don't care what league. I'm tuning in like I'm a sucker for it, but I think big picture. I know I keep saying that. I think something needs to change to give these guys, like I said, a fair shake to like really put everything they have out there. Bad, good, whatever. Cause like you said, one game just isn't, it's not enough. Yeah. Considering the 162 games that went in before that. Yeah. To finish off and kind of go back on topic a little bit, like, all those all those teams that we listed when we said the Rays have a similar or like the same record only one of them is from the AL yeah that's so we're saying the third best team or should we say that you know coming in third place in the AL East is better than all but I mean like just as good as all these NL teams. teams yeah yeah just as good as most of the NL teams. Everyone except the Cubs is on here. National League needs figured out. I don't know what they're doing over there, but yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Um, but moving on to our next 
topic of discussion, also keeping it in the AL East because there's no division better. Um, well, I guess <laughs> you say my, yeah. not, not, not with this point, uh, Buck, Buck Showalter, uh, recently, I guess them and the Orioles made it clear that they're cutting ties at the end of the year. I don't know if it's actually official. Um, but we're going to pretend it is. I think with 112 losses or whatever it is in the books, I think we can pretty much close the book on that one, but given just a little background for those who aren't completely up to date with his uh managerial stint in Baltimore. He's got nine seasons with him, uh or eight and a little short stint because he took over, I believe, if I recall, yep, uh like yep. midway through a season. Uh took over in twenty ten. To date he's with the Orioles, he's six hundred and sixty seven wins, six hundred and eighty losses. Um and from 2012 to 2016, the team never finished with less than 80 wins, uh, which is noteworthy. Uh, they won the division in 2014, which was the first time they'd won the division since 97. They In the, in that season, in, in uh, 14, they swept the Tigers in the ALDS, which is a great point. I actually had to be reminded of this when I was pulling this up. They beat the three previous Cy Young winners. They beat Scherzer, Verlander, and Price in that series. Wow. Which, incredible. Um, and then two years later in 16, they made it back to the playoffs, clinching a spot in the wildcard game before falling to Toronto. But where this story kind of boils down, the last two seasons they've combined for nearly 200 losses. Oof. So, I mean, while he's played a significant role in bringing kind of that winning mentality, the winning way back to Baltimore. I think given that fact of nearly 200 losses, I think it's time to move on. Yeah. I I read an article today saying um, that no matter how they finish this year, they went out and he's still going to finish under 500 uh, as the manager of the Orioles. Um, just kind of kind of sucks because like like you mentioned the what, what was the streak of at least eighty wins twenty twelve to twenty sixteen. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and I say you know we can go, you know, eighty one wins is is five hundred, but I think going over that is is somewhat noteworthy. You can get if you're in the eighty seven or eighty eight win season like we talked about earlier. A lot of those teams are making the playoffs or have a shot at playoffs. So. Like he had a he had a pretty good streak, but these last two years really kind of murdered his basically his whole track record with them. Yeah, and I mean, what I'm curious is how because I've seen very polarizing takes on him as a manager. I've 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 heard people say uh, that Baltimore won't be able to find a better fit or a better manager for that matter. Um, should they part ways with him? But then I've also heard that I've also heard from other uh, people in baseball media that he's just, he's out of touch. He's, he's not able to do what he did when he first started managing. So, I mean, I don't really know how to view the guy moving forward because there's people saying that he might be taking positions elsewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, he, this dude has been managing, for the span of three decades because he was managing in the nineties 
Because he was with uh, uh, New York for a while. He was he was with New York before Tory showed up. Yep. And then uh, he was obviously at his a uh, little bit of time um, in the uh, 2000s before he took his little break with I think he was ESPN or MLB Network, right? Yeah, yeah, I think. It was and then he came ESPN. on to the Orioles. <clears throat> so like, the the guy has seen so many different types of baseball being played, and I I think. It's just the game's trending younger, not only with players but with managers, and it's just I think he's like you said, out of touch. Yeah, and I, I I used to be the guy who was like, no, I mean I I would prefer to have the manager who's either older or has that experience. But the more that I see the way that these players now are responding to their managers, I'm starting to think that that's not the way to go anymore. I mean, you look at Alex Cora for example only because I've been watching them all season, these guys can relate to a, a younger guy who's not as far removed from like a showalter who has a much better understanding of kind of the ground level, where they're at, what they're going through. And so I, I just think... Be, can you be as bold as saying like it's maybe a lack of respect? Well, I like, mean, I think... Some of these guys playing right now, have no idea who these guys are as far as I don't remember ever seeing you play or I don't remember ever seeing you manage successfully. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I think like, and not to, not to sound like I'm discriminating, but kind of like you said, I think like, for example, I think a lot of these Latin American players who come up who are just looking to play a ball, like they're not, they're there obviously to, to respect the game, respect the managers, have a good time, but they're not, they're not as in tune with the game's history simply not because of a, a willing ignorance or anything. No, the I, ability, I, the ability to watch it growing up. Yeah. That, and just the fact that there's, that's like their life and they're so focused with, with playing and training and preparing themselves to hopefully one day come up and play that they just don't, that's just not on their radar is keeping track or kind of educating themselves in that regard. And I think that plays a big role in it. Yeah, it, I feel bad for him, but like not to mention, I'm, I mean, I, I have down the fact that, and one big point is that I feel like the GM kind of screwed him over these last few years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You put so much money into into Chris Davis. Um, you know, Adam Jones is now denying trades because he's got that ten five rule. So like, yeah. I, he he was put in a tough spot. I feel bad for because like. I mean, I I like Buck Showalter as as I think he he would be a good man manager for me if I was in that clubhouse. But he just kind of kind of dealt some rough hands these last couple of years. Yeah, um, and I mean, part of me wants to say it was because they started shipping guy. They pretty much shipped out the entire team, or at least the guys that were making a difference around the deadline. But we all know the reason they were doing that is because they were tanking like from the start, basically. And so, I mean, you can't exactly can't exactly give him any grace in that regard because it's like, well, when you had these guys, you weren't doing much with them. So, at least this season, yeah. not I mean, I'm not even talking about like previous seasons, but this season, there just wasn't any real positive upside to this team or the outcome whatsoever. Yeah. So, talking on the future, do you have uh, who who you think will be the next manager? I don't actually, but it sounds like you have thought a little bit more about that. 
Well, I just kind of looked at some guys that I know were in some conversation this year, uh, before this year started, before the season started. Um, but my pick is actually going to be Carlos Beltran. Huh. Um, young enough to connect with the players, right? Like that's kind of the criteria now. Um, has he expressed? Uh, I haven't really followed up with him since his stint with the Astros. Has he? Has he expressed expressed interest in coaching? Yeah, he. Um, yeah, he was part of the conversation when the Yankees were searching and interviewing for guys. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was a part of that. So I think he's expressed that he wants to. Um, I mean, I love it. I, I think he's a good pick. I think young enough to connect with the players. Obviously, he has the track record, right? right. Like, there's some respect. Um, nobody dislikes this guy. You know what I'm saying? He's got league-wide respect. Right. Um, he's played on winning teams before. He's been in winning cultures. Um, but he's kind of, I think he's that perfect balance of young enough to connect. But he did play under some, you know, some solid managers and saw what, when it's necessary to be that tough guy, old school mentality, and when it's necessary to be the young, connect with the players guy. For sure. Um, you know, we've seen plenty of them now, but, you know, multi-language managers, I think that's a, a big plus. That's huge I nowadays. Think, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's so cool that, be, especially when we're looking at, primarily white guys and primarily you know dominicans or latin americans to be able to have those two guys in your clubhouse you can talk to americans in general and latin americans you know it's just it's cool to have a manager that can connect to everybody um so i think it'll be i think it'll be perfect that's my pick well on the note of managers i know that you wanted to play a little general manager yourself so i'll let you dive into that i, I kind of like playing gm we did this last week it's kind of fun just straight speculating you know what i mean yeah i mean if it's speculating if, if that uh if that graphic i put on instagram is any indication on who's a better gm i think uh <laughs> i think that's been made i think that's been made clear <laughs> So we'll just leave you it at that. You got shredded on that lineup, man. You got shredded. I That's did. awesome. I'm starting to think <laughs> that they're – granted, you obviously had the better team, but I'm starting to think there was a number of non-baseball-minded people on there because <laughs> I would love to come into your clubhouse on any given game night and just see <laughs> see how those superstars are interacting with each other. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so um, we're going to play GM with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, so we kind of were, were, I, when Colin and I were talking about this, I wanted to talk about a team that's just on the brink of doing something. You know what I mean? Um, no one expected the Phillies to, to do anything this year. I think they had a really solid year. I, I actually, surprisingly, I was looking at the standings today. It looks like the nationals might edge them out for second place in that division, but either way, I think anything but last is pretty surprising for this Phillies group. Um, I think Adubo Herrera had a really good year, um, going 20-plus home runs, right around 70 RBIs. Reese Hoskins going 30 and 100. 
um, Franco hitting 270 and 20 home runs. So they have like that good core for the middle of their order um, that could do some damage. Um, Nola and Arietta were, were pretty good in the rotation. Um, Nola was great. I mean, he's probably, uh, well, I don't know, recently, but he was at the point of possibly getting some Cy Young attention. Um, but here's some issues and I think some holes that they need to fix. Uh, as a team, they only hit 236 for a batting average um, and only an on-base percentage of 315. So I think there's some things that, you know, some pieces they can add, a little more on-base guys, um, you know, for your harder heart of the order that should be, you know, all around 100 RBIs, each of them, um, not just one guy. And then the back end of the rotation is is really just not good. Um, so I think, um, you know, keying in some guys in there and maybe signing um, some big, you know, names in the off season could help this squad push them over the edge. Because I think what makes them different from the Braves, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I th- kind of touching on the rotation, you'd mentioned, I think... I mean, I'll obviously let you run with this, but just throwing in my two cents, I think one thing that they could maybe consider doing over the off season is maybe adding some type of veteran arm, whether it's in the rotation or in the bullpen, because four of their five starters are 26 year, years of age or younger. Arietta is the only one that's over that age. He's 32. So, in my opinion, maybe adding a solid veteran arm that can maybe add some experience because it's obviously a young team. That's part of the reason they were so surprising this year. And I think that inexperience is part of what contributed to the problematic staff uh, coming down the final stretch of the season. Yeah, big time. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you had something along those lines, but that was that was one of my starting points. Yeah. So if I'm GM, um, here's some things that I do for the 2019 offseason. Um, I re-sign Wilson Ramos. Wilson! Wilson! A v- very much an offensive catcher, but, uh, you know, he, he's been around the block. And I think he's going to call some good games and maybe help out with a younger, you know, pitching staff. Um, I talk, I feel like I talk about this guy all the time, but I would try to go for DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. Um, just an on-base stud. Uh, I think he's won a silver slugger once, if not twice. So he's going to hit a little bit too. Um, and I think he's got a couple gold gloves as well. So like that is, you know, we talked about the heart of the order. You can plug DJ LeMahieu in at, at the two hole playing second base pretty much every day. So that's one guy I think I would go for. Um, You mentioned the rotation a little bit. Three guys that I think think you could go for, like you said, that's got some veteran presence, but not too old to where, you you know, you're trying to just get them innings. You know, these guys I think could make a difference. Um, One of them is Matt Harvey, actually. I think I would sign Matt Harvey. Um, I think New York probably got a little too big for him, a little too much spotlight. So I think Philly with a little bit lower expectations, but still have a chance to make a difference. 
Um, I think he'd be a good one. Um, these next two guys, I know you like. Uh, Nathan Avaldi, mm-hmm. who has been obviously making a big difference with the Red Sox rotation of late. And the other guy is Drew Pomeranz. Oh, God, please take him. <laughs> we will glad we will pay them we will pay the Phillies to take him from us. Uh so those three guys are uh some potential free agent signings for the rotation. And then I'll say Adam Ottavino um to probably, you know, fill in that setup role and maybe swoop in on some saves and you know, I think sure up the bullpen a little bit. But then, you know, I, if I was the GM, I think I can go for that group and still make a run at Machado or Harper. Yeah, I mean, we all know they need some sort of boost. But, I mean, you, I know you're talking about the, their team average, but uh, I pulled some numbers up. Uh, during their 15-29 and 29 stretch dating back to August 6th, they've only averaged 3.9 runs per game, which not ideal um but on that on that note about Machado Harper I've heard in the research I was doing I've heard that there's some rumors going around saying that a number of these top free agents won't sign with Philly cuz I know Philly's talking about going after everybody this year all the big names yeah um but they're talking about how they're not going to sign with Philly if Gabe Kapler's still the manager and Quite frankly, I I can't really blame them because I haven't been. I mean, I, they had a great season, uh, faltered late, still a surprise. So something was obviously working, but there's something yeah. about Gabe Kapler that, as a manager that just doesn't appeal to me. I mean, maybe it's just he hasn't, he just hasn't had enough time to get his 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 rhythm down as a manager, but. Yeah, if, if, I'm me, a, if I'm a Harper or Machado, I don't know if I want to sign that mega deal with a guy who's kind of up in the air right now. I think uh, this is kind of a tough balance. And it's kind of not great to say. I have a theory that he's he's not writing the lineups. I don't think he's writing the lineup card every day. I think it's the executives i think it's the executives writing a lineup saying this is what you're going to put out there on a daily basis yeah i don't think he has much of a say and so i think those rumors kind of go with the fact that these these guys in the clubhouse are like this guy is no nuts why would i play for a guy that isn't even going to manage me isn't even going to make these decisions yeah he's he's a desk a computer is managing that team um, but to go on the opposite side of argument for you, um, I could see Manny Machado or Bryce Harper in that role because obviously the computer is always going to side with those two guys. The, the executives are always going to say, we just spent all this money. He's going to be in the lineup. And to me, they're both selfish players. Yeah. So. I think it could fit. Yeah, but I mean, again, they're the ones who have somewhat of a say. I mean, I don't know how it works with their agents, yeah. but I mean, yeah. if they're the, regardless of what a computer says, if they don't want to go there and play for him, then they're not going to be able to get him. I'm telling you, I think 
one or both will end up in LA. That's that's really what my gut's telling me. Oh God, I would really not like to see that. I mean, are you going to tell me that there's a better city, a better team to fit Harper's ego than LA or Machado for that matter? <laughs> Can't stand the guy. Yeah. I don't know, man. Oh, I just don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about them both being in the Dodgers uniform. I mean, I can assure you that if they did, some Dodgers fans would want to get tickets. Really? Tickets? Yes. And I have something that might be able to help with that. Does it rhyme with SeatGeek? It does, actually. SeatGeek. (laughs) Do you need tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to games, concerts, shows, and theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user of SeatGeek. The next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your purchase as a first-time user. That's all you got to do to save some of that cold, hard cash. Enter promo code DTD at checkout. Moving on to my favorite part of the show, the unpopular opinion. This week, my unpopular opinion is that the American League champion... Whoever it is, the Boston Red Sox will, without a doubt, no, I'm just playing, the American League champion (laughs) will, without a doubt, full guarantee, win the 2018 World Series. And I've I've probably got some upset fans across the aisle who disagree big time, but the American League slate this year in the postseason is just vicious. And I'm sure with a lot of people, they, they don't view this as the most unpopular opinion I've had on the show. But based on your reaction, and I'm sure the reaction of other people, uh, I'm certain among the National League teams, the fans of those teams in contention, it's probably something they don't agree with. But something to take note of. MLB.com's latest Power 5 rankings... Despite dropping my team to number two after a, an iffy week, uh, all five of the teams in the Power Five are the American League playoff teams. So my question is, is what does that say about the NL? It might not mean anything, really, because obviously there there's talent in the National League. It just means that the AL is that much more deadly. To me, this is something that doesn't even really need to be backed up by numbers because we've seen this play out all year, especially as of late. I mean, it's happening right in front of us. And I would even put money on either of the two American League wildcard teams, yes, including the Yankees, to take down the best that comes out of the National League. That's how confident I am that this just is not the year for that league. I love it. Call it a hot take, call it an unpopular opinion, whatever you want. But I can say with full confidence that that's going to be the result come the end of October. I love it. That's my unpopular opinion. I believe we have some DMs. DMs, DMs, DMs. First one, 
Jackson Lane. Is a stud lefty. Played ball with him at uh or played ball with him in college. Um big time supporter. Submitted a question about his favorite team. Um how far will the Braves realistically go? All right. Well, most of the people listening probably already know that I've got I still have LA in the uh in the World Series. Um so because the Braves are <laughs> most likely either going to play the Dodgers or the Rockies in the NLDS, uh I'm going to say fallen out in the National League Division Series. But I on on the flip side, if I look at it objectively, just looking at the teams matching up, I could honestly see Atlanta advancing to the NLCS, but I in any scenario, I don't have them getting past the Cubs um if they were to make it to the National League Championship Series. Um I think that their lack of experience uh and Quite honestly, being ahead of schedule, I think that's going to catch up to them because I think even the Braves organization can admit that this is not where they expected to be. Um, fans probably tell you otherwise, but I think internally they kind of realize that they're they're a little ahead of schedule, and I think that that'll catch up to them um, in the in the postseason. And then again, if they were to advance uh, on to play Chicago, they're far more experienced. Uh, and they obviously have the recent postseason history to fall back on. So that's my take on that. Yeah, no sweating it, Jackson. It's going to be okay. There, No one is going to consider this season a failure no matter how it ends for the Braves in the playoffs. It's definitely a tip of the cap for even you know winning that division. So props. For sure. Um, next one, Jay Wilmer. Which players do you think – will continue to perform well in the playoffs and who will fizzle out. Well, I'm going to keep this quick because to me it's at least in terms of who stay hot pretty clear at this point with just less than a week left in the regular season. Um uh, going with my guy Mookie Betts, he's just gotten hot. Uh I mean, he's been hot all season, but he's gotten especially hot as of late. Um he's turning on right at the right time. Uh Christian Yelich, another guy obviously tearing the cover off the ball. Um, the guy who I think is going to fizzle out, and it's really not even much of a fizzle because he's batting two thirty eight on the season uh, with just 14 home runs, which is his lowest season total of his career, is Carlos Correa. Um, his last 30 games, he's only batting a buck 89, and he's been dealing with a nagging back injury. I believe that's... That's uh, what he's been dealing with. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I don't even like I said I don't even want to say it's fizzling out because there just hasn't been much of a spark there. But I think, um, looking ahead to the postseason, I think he's going to play a more of a supportive role, uh, and take a back seat to guys or take a back seat to the likes of Altuve and Bregman, who have obviously just been playing great baseball this season. Um. Sucks to say because he's a great baseball player, but this year it's just it just hasn't been there. Yeah, um, perform well. We went over our X factors last week. Uh, I am a big fan of Ben Zobrist. I think he's going to be someone who performs well. He's had a good year. 
that that uh, veteran presence is going to ride him out all throughout the playoffs. Uh, I'm actually going to stick with the Cubs, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say Javi Baez fizzles out. Hmm. Um, I think, think the you're going to see. Will get to him. Yeah, I think you'll see. You'll continue to see great defense that doesn't go away, but uh, a free swinger. Um, it's going to lock up a little bit when it starts getting cold. And I, I see him fizzling out. That's fair. Uh, next one, Tristan Smith on Instagram. Uh, what will the A's starting rotation look like in the postseason? Yikes. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and say that they're not going to have a starting rotation. <laughs> um, that's, assu- that's assuming they even make it past New York. Uh, which, by the way, very curious to see where this wild card game ends up being because I actually was talking to somebody about it today. Uh, I have the winner of that game being whoever's the home team. If it's in Oakland, I've got Oakland winning it. If they're in the Bronx, I don't have I don't have Moneyball two pulling it out in the Bronx. I just don't. But I'm gonna go ahead. I know I I know we talked about it recently. Um, I guess it was last week. Uh, or yeah, it was last week because we're talking about X factors. Um, and I, I'd mentioned Fernando Rodney potentially being a key guy for them, or at least somewhat of an X factor. I think they're just going to have to figure out a way to piece it together with the bullpen. And I think like you alluded to earlier in the show, uh, these teams are seeing that the, the bullpen starts can work. And I think that that's what they're going to try to do to at least, at least get past New York. And then from that point on, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but I think in the wild card game, they're just going straight bullpen. Yeah, they're going to go straight bullpen and they're going to lose six to three. And oh, we're that's already putting the scores end of their on postseason. Now? Yeah, already. We don't even and know. it's going to be in New York. Okay, I was going to say, we don't even know where they're playing yet. And you're already putting, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing that just yet. I'll do that when I know I'm doing it right now. I'm doing playing. it right now. We're going to come back to this recording. All right. Well, I'm going to take notes. Um, Will Britton on Twitter. What route do you prefer in terms of building up a farm system? For example, Cubs building up their farm with bats and Braves building up their farm with arms. Uh, I feel like I have two different takes on this. Uh, From the baseball side of things, I'm going to say I'm a fan of building up with the arms because as we all know, we've mentioned on here a number of times, pitching wins championships. That's just a fact. That's why bullpens are so vital when it comes October. Um, and I think if you can create a a strong farm uh, in terms of your pitching, guys, you can, I don't want to say shoot up the system, because you don't want to rush guys, obviously. But if you guys, if you got a number of guys that are on schedule, on pace to wind up at the big league level, healthy, uh, ready to roll, I think that puts your team in a great situation, especially if they're a midseason call up, um, and they can maybe help out a struggling staff, either help turn the season around or keep things going for them heading towards the the heading down the home stretch. Um, I think that's that's how I'd view it on the baseball side of things. As a fan, I'm gonna say I like seeing teams build up their guys or build up their farms with position players. 
um, with bats because the first guy that came to mind was Bryce Harper. The Nat signed Bryce Harper. There's just so much hype surrounding him. Um, there's not there's not as much to me. There's not as much threat of major injury as you've seen with a lot of these these big name pitchers. Um, Otani actually just they just came out and said he's getting TJ next week. Which again at this at this point in baseball TJ is not that big of a deal. Guys come back from it all the time. They do great. Yeah. Um, but I think if if it's a if it's a big name guy who's proven himself at the lower level and he comes up and he he has that face of a franchise type atmosphere around him, then there's just so much you can do with that as a team. Like if you compare like Bryce Harper situation to a guy that's on the team, Steven Strasburg, like I'm sure you remember when he came up, there's a lot of attention focused around him, but just because of injuries with, with his arm, uh, what have you, um, to me, there's just so much more you can do for an organization, in my opinion, uh, with a position player, just because he's in there every day. Um, Bingo. That's it right there. Yeah, I mean. Playing every day. I'm going with bats. Playing every day. You've seen, I mean, the two, and again, I mean, this conversation is going to continue to come back to the Red Sox and Yankees while they're still relevant. Look at their core guys. Their home guys, you know what I'm saying? Mookie, Judge, um, you know, it's it's just it's the core guys. Jackie Bradley Jr. I think was was he was he a Red Sox all the way through uh, and through? I believe so. Homegrown guy. Yeah. Um. So I just I think that's the way it is. It's it's these core groups. Um. You know, every if you were to choose every captain of every team you know, for a while now, you're going to choose that, that guy that plays every day and provides the biggest spark for not only your, your dugout, but your fans too. I'm going with bats. For sure. Last one's Joe Skinner. Why does Mookie Betts not have a monument with, (laughs) with George Washington and Abraham Lincoln yet? I mean, I just, to me, (laughs) like, That's insulting to Mookie. Like, why are you going to surround him with such? <laughs> like, come on, man. He deserves his own monument in his own national park somewhere. <laughs> Ideally, downtown Boston. You don't need to be surrounding him with these low lowlifes. I don't even know who these guys are. <laughs> what, have they, what have they done for this country that Mookie Betts hasn't already done? Forgettable. Best player in baseball, arguably ever. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, we're seeing we're seeing levels of performance that we haven't ever seen. I mean, it's it's almost otherworldly right now. <laughs> no monuments after one season. Sorry. I mean, he's been tearing it up since he's been to Boston. But anyway, we'll move on. Facts are facts. Uh, wrapping up what we talked about tonight, Roger Maris was the last player to tally a clean, untainted 60 plus home run season. And he should be acknowledged as such. Nolan Ryan needed two hands to count his total number of no hitters when it was all said and done. 
No matter the team you're a fan of, Mariano Rivera's final game at Yankee Stadium is one of the best and most emotional moments in baseball. The postseason format needs to not just be talked about, it needs to be changed. It's the end of the show for Showalter in Baltimore. The Phillies have pieces in place to do something special. They just need to figure out how to put that puzzle together. And lastly, it's not that the National League is bad. It's just that the American League is that good. That's what we talked about. I'm going to flip it over to you for what they're not talking about. All right. Things not being talked about. Last week, we witnessed history in the A's and Angels game. And I'm not talking about the 21-3 to final score. It's about Francisco Arcia of the Angels becoming the first guy ever to pitch, catch, and hit a tank in the same game. Pretty cool. Um, next one, Yasiel Puig's house was robbed for a fourth time. What, what is going on? Uh, the $2 million home in L.A. gets hit again. I'm thinking this is an inside job at this point, honestly. Well, it's I mean, got to be. We know he doesn't have any World Series hardware in there, so I don't know what they're going after. Agreed. And, like, uh, he, to me, Puig kind of seems dumb enough to be that guy to, like, lose his keys a lot or, like, give away his alarm code. He leaves, like six of his seven garage doors open yeah but uh if it's me like it's time to take a stand i'm gonna gonna be the home alone kid setting up booby traps and stuff like that (laughs) ready to fight these burglars um next one we mentioned this guy a few weeks ago he's back in my segment jason worth dude apparently pled guilty to a dui charge back in april while he was here in arizona he was training at the Peoria Complex, trying to, uh, you know, crack the 40-man with the Mariners. Um, and, you know, I think this is probably one of the reasons why the guy couldn't find a job. And that's now why he's playing beer league. And is that something that just so, made, was made public, is what you're saying? Yeah, it was just it was just admitted that, uh, I guess, it came out that he pled guilty to it. Because mm-hmm. no none of us knew about it, right? Like, I don't yeah, think... Yeah, I don't remember anything about that. Yeah. Um, next one. I saw this post the other day on social media. This is just nuts. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it, but I'm going to read this slow for you guys to understand it. If the Mets would have scored four runs in each of Jacob deGrom's starts this year, he would have been 30-0. and 0. If they scored three, he would have been 25-1. and 1. If they scored two runs, if they would average two runs in each of his starts, he would have been 20 and six. So wins and losses just aren't relevant anymore. They can't be. Nope. If this guy doesn't win the Cy Young, the voters need to find a new job. Um, last one to finish it up um, for the things not being talked about, but this is something that definitely needs to be talked about. An employee at Comerica Park has been caught on video spitting in pizza and then oh. rubbing it into the sauce. Come on. What are you doing, guy? This evil creature has been arrested and expected to be arraigned. All my fears have come true. All my fears. And I am now examining all the food I get at the ballpark. And I'm not ordering anything too saucy. I mean, maybe if they're in the hunt, his approach at work would be a little more on the positive side. Despicable. Maybe just he, gross. Maybe he just can't handle working for a Legion team. Who just knows? Just gross. This guy's going to jail. That's all that matters. Brutal. That is it for me. 
of things not being talked about. All right. Well, uh, that about does it. Before we go, I want to acknowledge some people around the game putting in some work. Uh, I know I put up on the IG store today. I wanted to do some shout-outs, so I'm going to do just that. Uh, one of my old college friends, shout-out uh, Christopher Newport University. Go, Captains. Uh, Caitlin was hired as a mental performance coach for a collegiate baseball team. Super awesome, doing big things over there. I also wanted to acknowledge a big-time follower of ours, Travis, uh, working at the Texas Pitching Institute. It's really working. I was actually just talking with him tonight. He's uh, really working to ramp up the social media game, putting up some good stuff. Um, big things to come with, with those folks down there. Uh, so definitely be sure to give them a follow on Instagram, Texas Pitching Institute. But that about does it. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. We'll catch back up with you guys next Wednesday. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it and leave that review. We love you. And as always, we're looking forward to talking more baseball next week. And just a reminder, we're exactly a week away from postseason baseball. Until then, stay filthy.